Welcome to Madlet Musings, the podcast where we dive into the minds of authors, exploring the profound realms of faith, social issues, and the delightful world of entertainment. I'm your host, Jamie Jill Wright, and on this literary journey, you never quite know what you're going to get. Hey there, Madlet enthusiasts. Our podcast is sponsored by the esteemed Baker Publishing Group. Whether you're into heartwarming romance, gripping suspense, or deep dives into matters of faith and society, Baker Publishing Group has it all. With Ravel and Bethany House Publishers under their umbrella, they bring you a diverse array of books that will captivate your mind and stir your soul. Check out all of their line at www.bakerbookhouse.com. Hey everyone, this is Jamie Jo Wright with Madlet Musings, and today I have one of my favorite people ever on the show. <laughs> I have Tracy Peterson. Hey, Tracy. Hello. <laughs> I love having you on the podcast. I love being here. You're just so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> if I had told my, what, I don't know, 16-year-old self or when, however old I was when I started reading Tracy Peterson books that one day we'd be yik yakking on a podcast and hanging out and bffs yeah and bffs and like you know shooting texts at each other on a saturday morning i'd be like no that would never happen i thoroughly understand (laughs) (laughs) i have my authors that way too yeah you know it's amazing how much more connected authors are these days than it is they were you know 30 years ago when i got started Right. Right. Well, and one of the reasons like, you know, I had friends when I was in high school who would write letters to authors, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and I never did that because it just seemed like so much work for me to ask an author to go to their mailbox, open up an envelope, (laughs) pull out a piece of paper and read my own thoughts. So I never did, but (laughs) so fun. But now we've got email and social media, which is great. Um, But you have a book that's coming out really soon. Yes, I do. A Love Discovered, right? Absolutely right. Yes. It's the first book in the Heart of the Cheyenne series. Okay. There will be three books in that Mm -hmm. series. And here's something really fun that a lot of people don't know yet. What's this? There's going to be a second three book series called The Hope of Cheyenne. And it's going to pick up 20 years later. I love that. Comes out right after the first series. So, so we're almost getting like years. We're almost getting like six books. Exactly. Exactly. Gener- it's kind of like the whole, kind of like what they did with the Yellowstone. Not that I've watched it, but the Yellowstone story where they started out with like the modern day ranch. Then they went back and they did the, oh, how, sure. how the people the settled it in the different eras. Yeah. 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 Yes. But you're just working forward. So. I'm working forward. And each book will stand alone, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably be more fun if you read them in order. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because you'll see all the ties. So now with Cheyenne, does that mean this is set in Wyoming? Yes. Okay. Of course, when at, at the very start of this, it's the Dakota Territory. Okay. And then it quickly becomes the Wyoming Territory. Right. Right. But, uh, when did Wyoming become a state? 1890. It was really that late in the century. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. realize that. Okay, became it became, a, uh, became its own territory like in 1868, and so 
lot of lot of really rich history, a lot of, lot going on in the world, uh, mm -hmm. especially the United States. You know, Little Bighorn hasn't happened yet when they become a territory. Right. Um, you know, there's just all this industrialization then that takes place like in the 1880s 90s you know in america just boom mm -hmm. after the civil war this is just you know two years after the civil war okay and so there's still a lot of that um well there's a lot of bad feelings still about the war oh right yeah but there's still a huge amount of that unsettled uh, what i call kind of juvenile america Mm -hmm. You know, they really haven't yet come into their own as far as really understanding who they are, what they are. The Civil War settles a lot of that. Yeah. But then we see this huge burst of industrialization and changes and, you know, railroad barons and, and whatnot. And it becomes really interesting history to me. Yeah. I, I love what happens. Yeah. And it's so rough. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. rough history. Like every, you watch, and I think that's one of the reasons I was like Westerns. Like I like watching Westerns because it's just, it's almost like it's a different nation, a different country um, from the, right. the, the very populated, established Eastern side of the United States. Well, and in this series, the reason, you know, that I chose Cheyenne and, and the reason for the story, I mean, they're building the Transcontinental Railroad. In 1867 and right. that's when it enters and founds the city of cheyenne okay and so here it is middle of nowhere they call it the end of the road track or end of the tracks town okay and among other things like a hell on wheels town because it was so rough yeah. and there were far more brothels saloons and gambling halls than there were anything else mm -hmm. and so the railroad was really desperate to get people in there to civilize it and civilization meant bringing women and children yeah women settled the west and yeah. so they were you know really encouraging about we want families to come west and so in my story i've got a guy who gets invited to come and be a law a lawman mm -hmm. and uh, he gets invited by his formal former commander in the civil war who thinks he's married and has family but his wife and child have died oh and so He's been invited and he thinks it's solely based on that he's a family man. Okay. And then we've got the heroine whose father has just died. And she's been solely responsible for raising her little sister since her stepmother died. Oh. And so now she's in a pickle because everybody's like, you have no means of support. Yeah. You've got this not quite two-year-old to take care of. And the church thinking, you know, they're going to be good help here come in mm -hmm. and the pastor's like i've got somebody who wants to adopt your little sister and oh, he's like no, no. I, this is my baby you know i've raised right. her and, you know yeah. so it becomes a situation where we need a marriage of convenience uh -huh. she needs a family she needs a husband uh-huh uh -huh. <laughs> and so that's that's the fun of book one and they go west then to cheyenne and okay it's just been great fun you know exploring all the nooks and crannies yeah. Which I am. So yeah. That's super cool. Cool fun. <laughs> yes. Yes. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. And I love, I love Wyoming. We like to vacation out in Wyoming, Montana, in your neck of the woods. And yes. Um, yes. it's always such a neat, beautiful, beautiful it area. Is. So, still so unspoiled. Yes. You know, yes. you've got thousands upon thousands of acres that mm -hmm. are still basically the way they were. Yeah. 
Yeah. You almost feel like it's a time machine sometimes. I love it. But I do, I swear I go to, I go to Wyoming and I'm convinced that I'm going to see shadows from the past, but that's probably my ghostly side. You know, I want to see the ghost riders in the fields. <laughs> I think that as writers, we just have such vivid imagination. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it takes us, you know, yeah. because I talk to other people who are like, I would much rather fly over Wyoming any day <laughs> than drive oh, through it. No. And it's like, wow. Oh. It's no, gorgeous. It's, it's so wonderful. <laughs> I know. I know. And our kids always have this, this um, competition game, like who can spot the antelope first <laughs> and <laughs> then how, how many, so they keep hash marks in a notebook as we're driving. Oh, cute, cute. And then at the end of the day, you know, it's like who won the antelope contest, right? <laughs> there you go. So, I do mean, Wyoming serves a, a lot of purposes. <laughs> do you provide a prize? <laughs> um, yes, actually. It's it's either a frappuccino for the boy or a iced caramel latte for the daughter. Once oh, we find a you. coffee shop that makes them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, got to find one first. got to find one first. It's not like they're on every corner. <laughs> nope. Oh, fun. Okay, so this is a marriage of convenience. Now, I do have an actual historical question. We see a lot of marriage of convenience in historical romance. How common was it really? You know, there was a, a big amount. <laughs> uh, I, I say yeah. that, you know, and I think it really depended too on the location, mm -hmm. the cultural background of the people involved, um, you know, but marriages of convenience weren't that uncommon. I've read a lot of diary accounts where uh, they were, you know, kind of arranged for mm -hmm. convenience, that sure. kind of thing, as well as, you know, of course, there were arranged marriages for business dealings and all that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times you had, especially, you know, in situation where a man lost his wife and had a bunch of kids, almost immediate remarriage, if he could at all, wow. square wow. that away. Because he had to work and had these children that needed attention. And, you know, so it became a, a situation a, a lot of times of, uh, you know, if there were no female family members to come to the rescue, you know, a wife was was definitely needed to make things yeah. more convenient. Yeah. But, you know, also, you know, there were the advertisements for mail order brides. There, were, Those weren't as, as common as, you, you know, sometimes you're led to believe, but mm. You know, as far as like a lot of matchmaking in the church, <laughs> which, you know, we all know was far more of a social requirement. Right. Years yes. and years and years ago than it is now. So mm -hmm. people went to church because it was expected. And if you didn't, then there was something wrong with you. Were you, right. you know, were you touched? Were you <laughs> evil? <laughs> were you, you know, right? But but a lot of well-meaning then matchmaking going on in the church when mm -hmm. there were situations that needed, you know, a young woman whose whose father passed away and she no longer had somebody to support her. Right. Someone who, you know, was widowed or widower, that kind of thing. So, yeah, you had your fair share of them. Mm -hmm. Well, and I've heard, too, that out in the Western areas, especially because they were so rough, if a woman was widowed, she almost needed to get remarried very quickly otherwise very often they were forced into other means of careers right. for mere survival purposes well we don't think about it today as women but no in that time period a woman 
there were, were often situations where a woman couldn't even rent a house or oh, wow. rent an apartment. She couldn't have a bank account on her own. She couldn't do, uh, you know, all sorts of things required that she do it via a husband, a husband. or a brother or mm -hmm. a father or whatever. So, you know, we tend to forget that they, you know, we're, we're products of, of this, you know, women's liberation and all that, right. which was going on even back then. You had, yeah. had women's groups and stuff like that. But the norm was that you didn't have rights and, and you were under the authority of, you know, the men in your family, or mm -hmm. if there weren't men in the family, then the church even yeah. oftentimes yeah. You know, would take very important you know, very prominent steps to making sure that you knew they were watching, <laughs> you know. The church is always watching you. Yeah. It sounds like a war poster that you'd hang up on the corner. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the church is watching. You know I mean? yeah, put it right outside the saloons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Tracy and I will be uh, putting up a new shop on Etsy with um, church posters. Church posters, yeah. We are watching you with Tracy pointing there at you. you. There you go. <laughs> Oh, that's fun. Okay. And then in this book too, you have a lot of the railroad stuff, right? And that lends to the plot, I believe, if I'm correct. Well, there's, it, it's a, a kind of a combination of things. Okay. The railroad is the thing that brings them there. Mm -hmm. And I don't have specific people working for the railroad in this story, but rather my hero, as I mentioned, is going to be part of the legal right. system. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a uh, police officer for the town. Okay. And I mean, the, you know, the, the fights and the things that were going on were so bad that there was a vigilante committee in Cheyenne and the uh, established law, the police, you know, there was a, uh, police of the town there was a sheriff there you know mm -hmm. marshal all these things they welcomed the vigilantes as well because they were helping to keep things under control and you know the vigilantes took care of things right now you didn't need a trial <laughs> so you know that fades you know after for uh, after the first few years obviously yeah. because as the city becomes more established mm -hmm. you know and law and order takes over but I think people tend to forget that, you know, people's comments like that there was no, uh, you know, law west of that, of Dodge City or whatever. There's a lot of truth to the fact yeah. that each of these places made up their own mm -hmm. laws and mm -hmm. legal system and whatnot until things got further established down the road. Yeah. And so you could have a situation where, you know, it was illegal to do something on Sundays in one town, but in the next town, nobody cared. You know? Right, right. I read, yeah. I wasn't in Indiana, which isn't exactly out West, but it was one of the states in the Midwest here that they just recently struck down a law that was on the books that you weren't allowed to have your horse in your bathtub. <laughs> I love it. I, love I was it. like, what story prompted an entire community law? Yes. To not well, have your horse in your bathtub. In Topeka, where I was born and raised, <laughs> there was a law that you could not worry a squirrel. Oh, oh, dear where did squirrels. that one come from? <laughs> I thought it would show me the picture of your great, 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 great grandmother with her pet squirrel. <laughs> I thought, well, I hope she never worried him. 
I don't know. He looked pretty relaxed in in the photograph. <laughs> he did. He did. I actually studied the photograph a little bit to see if there was any evidence of movement, because I'm like, for a squirrel to hold that slow in an old fashioned po- photograph, I'm like, maybe exactly. he was stuffed. But then I looked, and his paws had were all blurry, so I think his paws uh-huh. were moving or something. But anyway, worrying a squirrel is such a unique way of putting it too. Like basically, don't stress out a squirrel. Is that what they yeah. meant? <laughs> but don't worry a squirrel. That don't was worry a squirrel. Wild. Somebody loved squirrels enough to create a law. <laughs> I love the horse t- horse in the bathtub though too. Right. So. I know. I know. You do. You want to look up not just the laws, but why, what story created What prompted them. this mm-hmm. one? Yes. Mm-hmm. But when you look so at with, the, yeah, go ahead. No, but with Cheyenne, you know, yeah. there was just so much going on. So many rules being broken. <laughs> so much polite society went right out the window. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah, this vigilante committee was responsible for for really helping keep law and order. <laughs> there was um, I was studying one of the ghost towns in Montana, and there was a vigilante group mm-hmm. where they were. I think if I remember correctly, there was mining in the area, and they were going after people who were robbing stagecoaches and the mining shipments was from this one. The town. Virginia City area. I think that's what the one yes. it was. Yes, but then wasn't in that story one of the the vigilante leaders actually the one who was also <laughs> behind the the thievery? Yes. Yes. Okay, so I have that right. I was so fascinated by that one. I'm like, oh, this is so good. Um, throughout this series, there's going to be some interesting reasons for people getting married in okay. book two. The young woman is tired of following her father on the railroads and the various jobs he's had along the railroad. And she wants to settle down and stay in Cheyenne because her friends are there now. Okay. And he says, well, that's fine, but you're going to have to be married. Mm -hmm. So he decides to advertise for her a husband and she'll interview several husband perspectives. Yes. Yeah. And then in uh, book three, the gal's actually going to run him over with a carriage. So... (laughs) Can I have book three now? (laughs) She ends up taking care of him. So just kind of quirky, different ways that couples came together. Mm -hmm. Now, are those all from your imagination or did you actually like read those in a newspaper or something? No, those were my imaginations. (laughs) I like the running over with the carriage one. There you go. You know, I mean, I know I have read, read uh, accounts of people who, uh, you know, determined it was time to marry. And so kind of did the interview thing of different prospective husbands and or mm-hmm. and or wives mm-hmm. but you know I just thought it would be fun to have that so we yeah. I just worked on on various ideas and uh-huh. That's those, super will, fun. those will take place in this series <laughs> super fun now these all come out do they all come out this year are you releasing they all do. three okay. they do the the first book is due out the 5th of March I think the second book is something like the 7th of July and then okay. October or November, I believe is the third book. Right. Okay. All right. So, so all three books this year. This is a good year to be picking up a Tracy Peterson new series. There you go. Because, because you don't have also to wait. have a co-written book in May with mm-hmm. Kimberly Peterson. <laughs> Kimberly Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> Kimberly Woodhouse. Yes. You know, I've adopted her. So she I know she, you're practically Peterson. family. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that uh, with each tomorrow, is mm-hmm. uh, out in May, and that's part of the Jewels of Kalispell. Oh, and love it. so maybe we're even going to talk to you about it. I don't know. 
Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't surprise it, me. We'll probably I was going to say, you but you know, if you had the both of us at the same time, it probably would get really wacky. I think we should then. You know, I think we should do that. <laughs> We're just a little out of control when the three of us get together. <laughs> just a little, just a little. But it makes for fun. It makes for fun, it does. right? It's it it's crazy. <laughs> well, and and you know. Somebody was describing, you know, being an author is you go in a room and you sit by yourself for the rest of your life and oh right, let your imagination be poured out on paper or whatever. So it's always fun when we can get together like this. It is. It is. And and I don't think people realize that writing isn't as solitary as it seems. Yeah. Because, you know, we get stuck on things and they're like, I'm stuck. And there's three or four other writers that are just totally willing to get on a call and yeah help you get unstuck so oh it's fun to brainstorm you it know is. for anybody out there who is you know interested in becoming an author mm -hmm. you know brainstorming networking getting together mm -hmm. with other fellow writers that is totally one of the most valuable things you can do for yourself absolutely yeah you know? yeah yeah know and, your you know, people <laughs> yeah for sure for sure and they they get it too like when your brain goes off on some weird tangent they're not sitting there staring at you like you've lost your mind they're going exactly. oh ooh, i like that weird tangent let's go there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you sit down and say i you know yeah like that like the conversation that i remember one author describing getting into the elevator and looking at her other fellow writer and saying well i gotta kill him and yeah. other people in the elevator being like what <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to yep. use a knife. That's too bloody. And yeah, people start backing away. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> getting into the corner. <laughs> oh yeah, writers in our conversations get very interesting. The conversations are internet search history, all of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would be a mess for any forensic team. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they would really be confused by mine because I'm all over the place. So. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Head on over to YouTube where you can check out your favorite authors and yours truly as we chat up about books, about all the strange and weird subjects we like to talk about here at Madlit Musings. And you can even see our faces because it's video, because it's YouTube. So go check it out, Madlit Musings, right now. Are you still here? Go, check it out. It's on YouTube. Thank you for joining Madlit Musings, where every conversation is a journey and every book is a new adventure. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast player or check us out on YouTube. And let's explore the fascinating intersection of faith, society, and storytelling together. Mm -hmm.